Welcome to Who Your People Is. It is my great privilege to say that we are closing out season three with a bonus track. This track features my conversation with Florinda Bryant. I'm really proud to say that I have worked with and been family with Florinda since 1998. I'm sending wild hugs and thanks to Florinda for joining up, to each guest from season three, every single donor, and our sponsor for this season, Alice Wilder, sound engineer extraordinaire. And thank each of you for listening and for all the ways you've supported us. For all of our guests from season one and season two and all the sponsors and donors for those seasons and to our jingle performers and creators, Sonia Perryman and Renita Martin. All right, get your coffee, your good wig, your pretty tie, whatever you need. Here we go. Florinda Bryant, who <laughs> your people is? Uh, my people is Joe Louis Bryant, Kara Bryant, uh, Florinda Portillo, um, Eddie Goodman Sr., Savannah Williams. Um, my people is Bastrop in Louisiana. Um, my people is San Antonio. <laughs> um I'm like, oh, we get emotional quick, don't we, when we think about the people? Yeah. Also, yeah, also Arizona, um, uh, Mexico. Um, my artistic family is, of course, you, uh, Dr. Joni Jones, Omi Oshun, Daniel Alexander Jones, uh, Helga Davis, um, Virginia Grice. I make the list, Lori Carlos. Um, everybody look we got emotional quick when we think yeah that's right that's what, that it ha- I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm stepping into I'm stepping into my pre-elder status so I, these things land differently when you ask me now um, well we feel our feelings now it's called maturity <laughs> yeah yeah you know when we ain't drunk no more like we that's used to right <laughs> that, that does the thing um in my Austin community um uh Deborah Sengunta uh Key and Shaka uh, from Riders Against the Storm. Uh, Fadila is family to me. Um, yeah, I think that Salvage Vanguard Theater, uh, Jenny Larson, um, all of the people, I feel really blessed. I got people, ev- I got the people everywhere. Yeah, and it really is impossible to name all of them. So we know that this is just a fraction. This is just a fraction. This yeah. is just a fraction. But those are the, those are the things that I, I'm like, the stars closest to me in this constellation. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so yeah. Um, would you talk a little about like your mom and your father's background? Like where are they from? Like, you know, uh, who they people is and what maybe from them you carry forward? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll start with my mom. 
you know, on both sides, I do have to say this conversation, <laughs> if you'd have had it with me like 10 or 15 years ago, because, um, you know, the secrets, the stuff, the stuff I didn't know all my life. I was like, my mom is straight up. Like, she was raised in San Antonio. Her family is from San Antonio, uh, from Comfort, Texas. Um, but I did. I just, just, my mama was born in Detroit. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is new. The things that come out when the people leave. Um, and my aunt Delia Martinez, who just passed away uh, a couple of months ago uh, from COVID. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Yes. And she's with the sisters now. She's with her sisters and her mother. And um, and there were, you know, the older set and the younger set. But apparently what had happened was <laughs> is my grandmother took off after a poet. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, grandma. <laughs> yes. Yes. Went to went to Detroit following this poet uh, from Texas. Um, and that's where my mother was born, but she was raised. They came back to San Antonio and so my mother was raised in San Antonio um, and has been in Texas ever since my family. Uh, it wasn't until like my my great aunts uh, started passing away. And I'm like, why are we all, we have this whole family cemetery that's outside of comfort. And I was like, oh, the family's always been there. Okay, that's new information. Uh, so that's, that's, that was, that's my mom's experience. And my father, who is a, um, who was significantly older than my mother. <laughs> <laughs> but he was very handsome and could dance very well, you know. Yeah. Um, he's from Louisiana and was in, came up in sharecropping. And so my dad's sides of the family that I knew as a child, I didn't realize that my father had just connected with his father uh, right before I was born. <laughs> and um, so that the family that I had knowledge of, which is in, uh, I guess, is it Northern Louisiana? We're talking Shreveport, Mansfield area, which is where he was raised. Um, that that was just half of it. And then we had Grandpa Eddie's side of the family, <laughs> which uh, he was very, very, uh, like I said, he was fine than my, my daddy was. Like, you know, he was Louisiana red skin with them pretty eyes and caused quite a ruckus uh, through. And actually, it wasn't until, again, was in a funeral a couple of years ago that I found out he spent time in um, in Algiers, which is outside of New Orleans. That's where my dad never, was from. My dad was from Algiers. Look at that. Now, no one can tell whether he... <laughs> right, that that's where he was from, or just because I think the way that people followed the work, yeah, and the party, because he did yeah. follow the party, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it took you on these journeys. So it's like whether you were from there, or passing through there, is still not quite clear to me. But he was that's where he was from, and ended up in Arizona um, with my you know, he had like 20 something kids with, um, close to the reservation and, you know, just living his life. Um, but that was my dad, you know, side of the family and, you know, family that's in Bastrop, Texas, that's um, really still connected to the land, the family land there. And then, you know, in, in North Louisiana, but the, you know, the party train <laughs> that went through New Orleans and followed the work eventually led him out to Arizona. And uh, yeah, so that's what that is. My dad's a cowboy, was a black cowboy. Um, so there's a, a, one of the only, well, the only black owned rodeo uh, pins was, was run by my dad outside of in Brazoria, Texas. 
Um, and he was a part of, you know, the Black Trail Ride Association that was in the Houston, outside the Houston area. And that was a big part of my life. And um, until he died, you know, the rodeo and, and horses and animals uh, was a really a big part of his life and was a big part of my life. Um, and he was able to enjoy that until, you know, he passed. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's the people. So and your got, mom is Latinx, right? Yes, my mother is Mexicana. Uh, she, ooh, she, and she would fight me if she heard me say that. Let me also be clear. My mama is a Chicana. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right, mama. <laughs> she would, I'm sorry, mom. Yeah, no, she is very clear. She is a Chicana. She's a Tejana um, from San Antonio, um, from San Antonio, as she says it. <laughs> and, um, and yes, and my father is, uh, is African-American, is Black. Um, and how do you identify when you name yourself? Um, I, I'm a black Mexican. Oh, nice. Um, I have always, like, I went through, I was like, Ooh, let's jazz it up. Let's be Latina Negra. Um, of course, <laughs> that <sounds laughs> as, I, nice. That's great. as I've gotten older and these terms and people's relationships to these terms have all been whatever. But one thing that I was like, Oh, and it's been true since I like, I am black. I'm a black, I'm black. And then I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a black Mexican and, um, that, I was like, oh, that's what I would say when I was younger. And that is kind of, that's where I am mm -hmm. now. Again, mama would have a fit behind. <laughs> uh, but I do think that there's a cultural experience thing about being Chicana that I can know about and, and observe. And I think it's generational um, and, it, and it's a part of her story. Um, so yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm black and, 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 you know, if I'm in a, place where my language can be free I'm a black ass Mexican but you know <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> but that's you know that's how that's how I identify and how does any or all of that show up in how you move in the world and how you live as an artist yeah you know we go all the way around the block to come back to this I um and I want to say it was our first year of the Austin project and Carl Hancock Rooks mm -hmm. was doing a workshop with us and he posed a question that was asking like um, about like how we identify and, and one of the beautiful things about the Austin project it, is that it invited you into the room as either an artist or a scholar or an activist but Omi held space for us to recognize those 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 identities as living in ourselves so as an artist I could be an activist or as an artist I could be a scholar and I was like oh okay that and that doesn't happen you know and um and Carl was like he said that when we were kids you know people would ask you like what's the one thing you want to be when you grow up and why are we so limiting and up until that point you know you hear about like being a a jack of all trades is necessary. This is a bad thing. Like you're not trying to, to do a thing. And I was like, oh, I know this in my in my blood, like at a, at, in, in, a, in a blood level, like that you can do, two things can exist at the same time. Two things are possible. It's happening in, in every drop of my blood. So of course it's happening with my work. I'm not just an art, I, you know, I'm not just a, an actor. I'm not just a singer. I'm not just a dancer. I'm not like, I'm, I get to write, I get to direct. I get to, you know, play with the lights when I want to. And that piece I think has one opened up conversation within myself of these different uh, disciplines 
And so they get to build and I'm like, oh, and that's what we talk about in the jazz aesthetic, right? It's like knowing a music so well that you can find the notes that aren't written. Mm. And so that that allows me with my craft to like, I know, I, I know these things so well that I can play within all of them. And in that playing is this beautiful unheard thing. Mm. And I know that it can happen because it, it's happening in my body every time my heart takes a beat. <laughs> oh, I love that. And uh, for people that may not know, the Austin Project was oh. produced by Omi Oshun, Joni L. Jones at the University of Texas through the John L. Warfield Center for African and African-American Studies for I think about seven years. And there is a book that is the blueprint for that called the Austin Project. Our, uh, I forgot no, experiments in a jazz aesthetic. Jazz aesthetic, yes. Yeah. Anyway, I'll put a link because clearly I can't recall all the details. Yes. But I met you, Florinda, in 1998. And we have, uh, there's different stories circulating about how old you were at that time. But you, how did you come to audition for Blood Pudding? Like, all I know, I think you were cast and we were in the room in rehearsal by the time I met you. Um, but would you just talk about like, how did you get there? Like not only just literally in terms of audition, but in your life, what got you in that moment? And what was it like working with Lori? Lori Carlos was the director. And yeah, you know, was a piece that I wrote. Yeah. Yes. Okay. There we go. Um, who we talk about the divine, like every miss I, I had. And at the time would have said, I mean, I was making all these missteps and all these mistakes and all of the things like I had left, took off in the night from a bad relationship with the man that was selling drugs, stay, like it was just horrible. And I took off for Austin cause you know, that's, that's the Holy Land. <laughs> I mean, and I- Coming like, from Houston? Uh, well, I was in Houston at the time. Okay. Uh -huh. I was in Houston at the time. Um, I was supposed to be going to school. Uh, I was not going to school. I had um, spent this one semester at the University of Houston. And I was like, I don't know why I'm going to go to class to learn about theater when I'm going to go just do the show. And um, so I, at the time, I thought I, I had just made a bunch of mistakes and had and took off running. And I don't know what made me pick up the Chronicle. I had thought that again I'd made them you know I was like and now theater is over and that it was not going to be anything that was a part of like my future and um I don't and then I was like oh look there's an audition oh that sounds I, and then I don't know I went in and auditioned and then got cast and 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 then it was like I don't know okay Lori Carlos great I don't know who that is <laughs> you know um because my education and my Production to theater that thus far had been very traditional, had been very much about musical theater, traditional theater, uh, traditional classical theater. So even though I had just maybe about a year before accidentally ended up in a room with uh, Antazaki, I, I, I did not know even then, like, I was like, oh, everyone's, I think she's a big deal. I don't know, you know what I mean? And just be so grateful to be in a room that I'm like, I could, I just never clicked how the circles I was moving in. And that has happened time and time again in my life. Like every time I think um, 
off the trail, gone. It's just like, whatever. I turn around, I'm in a room. And it usually takes me a very long time to figure out that I'm in the room, like who I'm in the room with. But that happened again with blood pudding. I, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, 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 the people. And to me, that's really what it just feels like. Like the audition call, I was like, oh, I know this, I know this story. There was a thing of recognition and then walking into a room, it never dawned on me to do too, too much research behind somebody, in, who someone is, because at the time I look at someone, I'm like, oh, I know, the, like, I, it feels like people, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be in this room. And, um, and then there's Lori Carlos, <laughs> which, you know, you know what you're supposed to know when you're supposed to know it. Um, and immediately again, just seeing, taking Lori in and just being like, oh, okay, let me just get comfortable at the feet of, because I know I'm here to learn and I know someone's actually seeing me and to be, have a script that was like, I know like to be so seen in a script, to be so seen in a room of artists. I mean, outside of the work that I've done at the ensemble which, and then it's no shade, but it feels a little different as well. Like to be in this room, to just be, it was never more clear to me that I was where I was supposed to be. And again, that first thing was like, let me just get comfortable and sit at the feet of these people because I know I'm about to learn some shit. And then Lori rearranges rooms by just walking in one and um, really started laying the foundation for me to get so clear about my craft and uh and between the opportunity with you and with Lori y'all were giving me that foundation for things that I couldn't even imagine or dream of and it's interesting too who I mean now we can look back and say wow that piece was about the history of black people in Louisiana and I was writing that piece in trying to understand more about what my spirit knew about my father's life Mm-hmm. and him being from Algiers. So look at them circles. Look at and, them circles. Yeah, And that's what it was. I was like, oh, Louis, I, I know th- I know these people. And then- You sure did. More than you do. Man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for those that don't know, Lori Carlos was the original woman in blue in the original Broadway version, um, in the versions leading up to Broadway uh, for colored girls who've considered suicide when the rainbow is enough by Indazaki Shange. Um, yeah, and I just remember looking at you and I was like, oh Lord, this family, this family right there. Hey, little sister. <laughs> <laughs> the, little, the little, little sister. I had no filter. I was, wow. I loved you. That's why I loved you. Because <laughs> I saw myself. <laughs> which is why family is important because they're gonna love you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love yeah. you right man love you to right because yeah, yeah i was uh very inquisitive there was so many things i didn't know I was so, <laughs> but you I was, were there for them that's what i love i was yeah you I, were there for it yeah with no book in hand and wrote down literally everything um so yeah. i could you yeah. performed your behind off too as did the whole cast like that was just a, such a life-changing experience for me for many reasons uh one of them being what i can now say looking back is i honestly and i, I i've said this a, a number of times i honestly don't feel like my writing was that great in that script i think that the research that i did um and the 
the uh, embodying and the moving through that happened for me as a writer was really, really important. But when I look back at the text, it wasn't that good, but what made it, but you all made it so good that I didn't know that for a long time. And so of course that's um, Lori. And then it is also the cast. Um, which was and, Jola Prenner, which yeah. was Stacey Robinson, Renita Martin, Third, And the support from Frontier at Hyde Park Theater, uh, artistic director Vicki Boone. Was Vicki the one that auditioned you? She was. I don't know why I thought, I think you were in the room for- Oh, maybe I was. Yeah, mm -hmm. maybe I you was. I think I got seen and then was asked to hang out a little bit later and I think you came in but I do think that I saw you um, oh okay early. that makes sense okay and the thing I remember I auditioned with uh with uh Amos behaving uh keeping out of mischief I remember my audition song because yes, I was <laughs> and, um, and yes to Vicky Boone uh because now having had the experience of um, being a producer and running a theater company and just knowing, um, yeah, knowing it's, 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 we're trying to find our home or create a home within the super white structure and the super white tradition. And I know what that struggle was like five, six years ago, going back, like put 15 years on that, even, you know, even as a white ally that that, is a lot of fight that you have to do to hold space for black artists and to take care of black artists. Yeah. And that to witness her doing that was also a part of that foundation. Yeah, yeah. And she did that with so much love. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, man, what a journey it's been. I mean, one of the things I'm so grateful that we had that time in Austin in the 90s and that little bitty black box theater that was that bought national artists to us and that created ongoing experiences for us to create and to learn and to make and to grow together. And so many of us are still really, really, really close. And, and I, I mean, I wonder now, does that still happen? I, I'm not quite sure. Um, but I know that as a producer and as an educator and artist, that's one of the things that you are working towards is making that happen so that other young people have a place to, to grow and be and be loved. Mm -hmm. um, so would you talk a little about that work that you're doing right now? Um, in terms of uh, producing or? In terms of just not necessarily producing or even being in one particular, I know you're affiliated yeah. with a lot of different organizations but but yeah. just thinking about it yeah you know i it because it feels like he's like don't nobody want to be ages especially because okay no but but i do feel like um it's it's an important conversation to continue to have amongst all artists because i think sometimes we're super clear about what we don't want to take about older practices yeah. and we're really clear about well and uh, talking about our artistic elders, what they didn't do right, that we sometimes don't think about what they did do right and how that, that feeds us. And I don't think that younger artists have that same experience. I don't think that um, that deep taking care of, I have not witnessed it 
and, and, and you know, and I'm like theater depressed, like, like there's, I, I, I don't notice it as much, which is why it's so important for me to continue to try to hold space for what does it mean to take care of each other? What does it mean to take care of, um, to take care in process? Um, what does it mean? And it's sometimes as little as did an elder just walk in the room and nobody got up to offer a chair? Like right now, it feels like the, the thing is so focused on a product or being right or, or being able to talk about things in a critical way that it's, it's so much more, um, I'm gonna use the word pretentious, but that's what it feels like to me that, and it's not about the process. It's not about the people in the room. It's not about even the craft. It's about it's about it, something's marketability, and when you're thinking about how something is market marketable, or even putting a dollar sign attached to it, of course we're going to forget to try to take care of each other. And when we can't take care of each other, or if we're so caught up in being right that we can't bow to someone else's experience, and I do think that there is a way that you, not from a place of fear, but out of respect. And, 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 and when you respect something, you want to take care of it. You want to listen to it. And it's not about being right. And it's not about who knows more or who's the best at anything. Um, it's about creating a structure that allows us to feed each other. And so I know I wouldn't be who I was without it. And now I'm learning like, oh, now that goes where there are times that my elders didn't want to shake the mess out of me because I was being, <laughs> but it's, you have to do that so that you, you know what I mean? Someone else can grow. And I need artists that know this particular way of experiencing the work for the things that I write. I need artists to know about this methodology for the things I like to produce or be a part of or direct. Um, so I do embed that <laughs> that thing, whether it's that I'm working with teaching artists and working with people about how we teach young people about the arts, whether I'm working with institutions and I'm like, hey, this is how we're gonna <laughs> move forward to, to, to cultivate a crop of artists we wanna work with. Um, Cause I do think it is that important. Yeah, it is. And I guess each generation, it just takes people like you who are, who care enough to put the sweat in you know, and that so that we can continue to move forward and grow and thrive and, and love. Mm -hmm. um, would you talk a little about your work as a writer and performer? I will. I remember when I didn't think I was a writer and then I was like, oh, these notebooks <laughs> that I carry around. <laughs> and um, I don't know why. I, and it's so funny, the grandfather, the, the Detroit story of my mother, it wasn't until my grandmother was quite literally on her deathbed and she leans over and my and me and my sister and my other older cousin who was also a gifted writer, my cousin Melissa, who she used to send us these beautiful stories when me and my sister were little and we'd be so excited to get these letters from her and she wrote these stories, okay. So anyway, they act like we all crazy because we scribbling in notebooks and my grandmother leans over to me and she was like, you goddamn poets. And we were like, oh my God, what is Mimi talking about? Wow. Maybe. And then that's when it came out that uh, Grandpa Portfield was a poet. And that's where her thing, and I was like, what? So I asked my mom, I'm like, did you know? 
And she was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. I used to write poetry in high school. And baby, if there was ever a time in my life where I thought maybe I could try like in, or in one version of reality where I was like, mama, like I pulled off an earring because you right. acted like I was, you didn't know who I was my whole life. And it was because she was giving me freedom space. I get it now. But I just was like, I come from a long line, I guess, of writers who don't notice the writing that they're doing or don't talk about it for whatever reason. And um, so I've written since I was a child. I like, I know, but like stories, poems, like all of these things, I never ever identified as such. Um, I, it wasn't actually, I did my first live poetry reading. We had a poetry reading during the run of Blood Pudding. Oh. And Zell was like, sis, I see the notebooks, read, like read, read, read. And I find that was the first time that I had ever read a poem publicly wow. was at this reading. And even then, like, I was just like, oh, I guess what? Oh, wait, oh, bah, bah, I am a writer. And then once I got in my mind, like, I was like, oh, they don't have to write a play for me. I write the play. Um, and it was, I think, coming up in traditional theater where everything, like, at most, you could be a triple threat, but you only brought it up if it was going to help you, like, if it was a part of the, the role you were getting. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything was super compartmentalized. Actors stayed here, designers were here, directors were here, you stayed in your lane, you would never. I used to work at the Galveston Island Outdoor Musicals coming up in high school, and I remember one of the directors, there were kids playing on this, it had this big hill, it was like a 2,000 seat, huge thing, and um, part of the actors in the beginning, we would have to be out and greet people before a show started, I think we were doing this little whorehouse in Texas. I'm, I digress, only in Texas, right? And I asked this director who was going up the hill, there were some kids playing and I didn't want to leave my post. And I asked this director, I was like, hey, do you mind telling him he was going up to go into the booth, those kids to, you know, get down off the thing they were playing on. And this white man who, at, he was like six foot five, maybe, turned and looked at me and was like, did you just ask me to do something and he was like talent 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 just asked me to do something and I remember like I was so confused like I was like what like one and you know and having done acting since I was younger like a director holler like and he like being hollering at you loud talking you alone is enough to just like my little, like, I just was like, you have to be good because you can't, like, you don't want a director to be upset with you. So, but, and there was this other thing that just, I was like, I don't know what just happened. I was crushed. I was so devastated. So you stayed in your own lanes, basically. And I do think that that growing up in the theater, growing up in the South, where you have to get permission to be free, it makes sense to me now that even if I want it to be a thing, unless someone like, you know what I mean? It was impolite, you just don't do it. So I can understand why it took me a while to, to, to get to the freedom place of, of being a writer or, or, but yeah, you just didn't do it. You just, you know, and I, and that was, I grew up with that where like, if someone doesn't like, there's a hierarchy, it was not about respect. It was about fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that fear kept me from being honest about something that has clearly been very important to me since I was a child. Mm-hmm. I just did this performance um, 
and the fall is a part of uh, Latinx, uh, which is a, a theater uh, festival here in Austin, Texas. Uh, Rudy Ramirez uh, curates that for us. And I like encountered all of these boxes because, you know, I write when I could, but because I was hustling to run the after school programs and do the creative action and then acting and then raising my child and then the hustle, the hustle writing has always been the thing that is done still in private, kind of just in these notebooks. So I had, when I moved out of my house, 16 boxes wow. of notebooks, of poems, short stories, old song lyrics. Uh, I used to, you know, MC for a while, like raps, like all of the, like plays, five children play, like all of these things that I carried around. And um, so I was like, oh yeah, okay. I've been a writer for a long time. The good news in that, that my experience outside of that, coming out of that performance was I didn't have to go back to look because then I almost made myself go crazy being like, oh, I lost all this opportunity. Let me get these things out and let me dust it off. And this was supposed to be the great thing. Um, and the thing I know now is like, oh, that was the art being what I needed it to be at that time. And, yeah. and, and, and it got me to this place. And if there's something there, it'll come to me. And like, you can't lose anything. Um, yeah, that which is yours by divine right. What is that? Florence Shen Noble. That's one of those Lori Carlos book yeah. recommendations. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how it happened. And then one, now, because of how I get to live my life, I get to write for two hours every day and I get to go and do my thing. And I'm so excited about that and the new work I'm getting into work on. Um, so that was the, the, the playwriting, that's, that's writing. And then as an actor, I just can't stay off the of stage. I get real ugly. It may, <laughs> and by, you know, and it's just like, I feel off. I'm like, something's not I right. That. Yeah. I need to be, you know, I'm not my best self. I don't make my best decisions. Um, but I really, really love performing live for people. And that the pandemic is a lot, I, like, I can't say that. I love me a live audience. I love me a little juke joint singing. I love me a little, <laughs> I love being with people and, and that connection, that synergy is really important to me as a performer. Mm. And how do you, um, how would you talk about or contextualize being a theatrical jazz artist? Like, what does that mean oh in your God. work, in your body, in your life? Um, in, that, in my life, that means again, my mission is to know my music so well that I can find all the beauty on them in between things. And I think that apply, that that is quite literally how I am called to, but that I choose to live my life on a daily. Um, and that means, you know, I, it took me a while to include like even my health, like your health is a part of that. <laughs> your health is a part of that, my mental health. My physical health, my spiritual health is very much a part of that. And that I feel like is this last layer. Those little uh those <laughs> those those little instruments that come in quickly and they're out, you know what I mean? Like you think they're not a part of the music, but they are a part of that music. Um, but so that's what it is with my craft. It's like I want to know it so well that I can play my music. And, 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 and also, it can, so it can be used in different instances. Like there's a political call that I know is a part of my work. Um, holding space for other artists is a part of that work. Um, 
yeah, advocating for artists, advocating for, you know, uh, you know, yeah, across the board, like how we live, my diet, if I'm writing a performance or having even a conversation about how we eat food and how we take care of our instruments, it's a part of my work. So that's how theatrical jazz lives for me. Mm-hmm. And, and my engagement with people, that's why that live element, like I have to be in, in there with the people because you can't have a call and respond. <laughs> it's the way I know that call and response works, mm-hmm. um, which is a part of the work. So, yeah. That's yeah. It. So if I were to give you a short text, something that I wrote, and so I also identify as a theatrical jazz artist, we're in the same lineage and family. And so for me as a writer, that means that I'm playing with time, with sensibility, with um, moving in and beyond and through the veils. Uh Um, But the page is the page, right? So it's like, there's a way that things are still just like, no matter how creative you are with how you lay things out, they're laid out on a page. When I give you text, you as a director, what is your process? What are you seeing? What are you looking for? What's your intention? Um, I don't look like, it's not like a, and because look, it's not, it's never about what I'm saying. It's a feeling like, I don't know. Cause I'm working with an artist right now who just recently asked, she was like, how are you, what are you? And it's like, I don't know. It's like, I'm, it's about feeling and also about hearing. Mm. Um, Cause it's like, do I see on the page? Like what's there? I don't know. My mama used to drive, drag me to all these different churches when I was little and the way I would pass the time, especially no, no offense at the Catholic churches and at more of, you know, the churches where the white people were, the music was sung in a particular way. So I would pick up the music books and I did not read music, but I heard a different song and I would just, that's how I passed time in church was just singing the songs the way I heard them in my head. And that same thing happens with scripts and it either happens or it doesn't. But as soon as I start reading it, I go into this other world that is about things that I'm feeling and that I'm hearing. Like I have to hear the thing. I listen to, I'm like, I'm like, I listen and readings like this now. <laughs> I'm like, where I'm just trying to hear. I just need to, I just, once I can catch that thing and then it just kind of, dra- it does a thing like this in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, that's the world. And then the world kind of comes from there. I know that seems that it, it is what it is. Um, so it, there's a rhythm, there's a music, there's a, there it definitely is a rhythm in the thing. So it's about sound to me first. And then that sound paints the world outside. And then I start to see the other elements um, in terms of like set or like what I'm thinking of set or also like what's happening um, in the world. Time is a thing, like, like you mentioned. Um, what does, what, what's the time? What does time look like in a particular piece? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, it's about a sound mm-hmm. for me. It's like, that's I- funny because that's how I write too. I hear it. I hear and I feel. And then things come and it's the right ear for me. They come. <laughs> Funny, story. <laughs> Funny story. One time Lori told me uh, I was staying at her house in, in her place in St. Paul. And I came downstairs and she was just sitting there and she said, you know, I told them they need to come through the TV. And then she walked away. <laughs> and, I, and later I understood because I was like, y'all got to stop showing up in person. 
come to writing. And I think that's part of, it's this Mm -hmm. thing with my right ear and my feeling like they, that's how they come through. Yeah. It's something about the hearing or even like, cause I've done, you know, I do dramaturgy work and dramaturgy work and, um, I can't ever, I don't do a really good job of putting language to it. Uh, because I think I'm also, I'm learning it, but I'm also like, oh, finding language for something is basically figuring out how to use box language to make someone else understand a thing that's like here. I could tell you in a gesture, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't, you know, articulating it is still something that I'm working on. But like, it's like, or even with the, like you, you can, I know it's done when I can hear it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and those other elements, things like set and then even lights. Oh, which was the last thing that I was discovered because I was like, oh, the light, I'm, I'm doing that with lights. I can hear light. I don't know what that means, but I do. Um, I can hear things and feel things uh, that kind of help, uh, which I think is about the jazz aesthetic. Like there's such a, and we're doing it more um, and they do it, you know, when they talk about a lot in the black, you know, acting methods book you know I think people are starting to talk about it more but there is a spiritual ritual part that is innately a part of how we work and who we are as black people as artists um that's the that's the only way this I know this that this can make sense Mm -hmm. of following your heart to get to the to the truth of a a piece Mm -hmm. letting your heart tell you okay this is the direction of a thing or this is what the stage should look like or what lights need to look like or how sound needs to function in this world um I think is even more you know proof in the pudding is something very it's not it's it's something spiritual that happens in in the work when you tell the truth (laughs) describe gesture like in terms of you if directing and assigning or offering gesture uh-huh. to performers what is yes. that and how well do the we- first thing i think what, what what i've noticed is i was like i love I, I the distinguishing from jump that there's a difference between dance yeah and and and, and movement and and gestures like that there's like it's like a three ping 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 um and then going back, you know, and I can't, it's that pretty, if it's pretty, if it comes from a tradition that has rules and the, the, da, 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 if there's no place for it here, um, the way that I get to gestures is uh, I'm usually like, okay, I'm talking like imagining elders in your family, people in your family, those, the, the way that people tell a story, a rock, a thing, the things that people do in a day to day, that that that's that's the world that I'm trying to, to, to get into, um, which is really about us recognizing the beauty in, 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 in the, almost the mundane and the regular, the day-to-day. Uh, we don't wanna think about Big Mama as being the most beautiful mover that you've ever seen. Like we think that dancing looks like this or movement looks like this, which is also labels that I think that it's white supremacy it's like racist it's like it's 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 a it's a language that takes our power away from us um that even my breath 
those that, that that showed you the undulation, just that there's beauty and 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 that our our bodies are constantly moving, and so that's usually we spend some time on that with my with performers, and then we used to spend that first couple of days weeks we busting up everybody sings, mm-hmm. that's another one freedom in the voice, um, that was one that again coming from being you know institutionalized from a younger age there's a right and a wrong way to sing there's a right and a wrong way to move and da, 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 da. and so kind of breaking all of that down uh is what i usually end up spending the first week as we're getting into doing some, what the script work and finding out about the world what's being said and not said what's being seen and not seen mm-hmm. um what's here and then somewhere else um, so just really getting people to just like get a big old eraser and just erase mm-hmm. any lines or any rules that we have taken into our practice mm-hmm. and just be like, okay, and now we're free. All the things are gone. Busting up the matrix, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is kind of crazy, which is probably what Lori would have said, why, you know, being in the room with me, I'm sure, although, um, you know, I was talented and could do the things. That's what she had to do with me was to take, erase all of the BS that I had been taught as a part of my training to get that open free space to, to find some other things, which is really about just trusting what I know about my training. Okay, you know that, you know that, you don't need these rules to establish that you know what you're doing, but to that free space. And I'm sure Lori has did it with me and probably tons of others and why sometimes somebody will walk in and they have, 12 years of training it's just like here we go (laughs) because it just takes you a longer time to get free yeah yeah it takes you a longer time but the trained the trained people come in and very trained and but that's not that's not the beauty that's not that's not the that's not what I'm looking for in my work Mm -hmm. um I'm looking for the people who know your shit no doubt know your things but no, we're coming in to find the things that you don't know or find the notes you haven't sang or yeah. find the things we ain't done yet. Um, and then having not, have, not having to follow the rules of time <laughs> changes every, and it's like, it, how much more freer could we be? <laughs> right. Sarah Vaughn, there's a Sarah Vaughn quote. She said, there are notes between the notes, you know. <laughs> yes. That's what we're going for. The notes between the notes. The notes between the notes. Yeah. 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 And then this, yeah. And I think that for audiences experiencing it, that it just cracks open a thing for them to just have a different kind of experience. Cause you know, from the jump, oh shit, something different in here. Mm-hmm. Something different up in her. <laughs> right. That's right. Well, I could talk to you forever. I love you so much. I we, love you too. I, I, by now we would have been in the room together at least a few times, you know, in the car, you something, know, something, shoot. Um, but um, I have one more question, but before I ask my final question, I have to say your son, Wesley Bryant has been my teacher from day one. I remember him being a little bitty guy and I was going through a really, really hard time, a really hard shift in, in my inside life and outside life and just picking him up from school and riding around and just watching him and listening to him all the way to 2018 when he was the technician for that Black Mermaid Man Lady performance installation at Algo, you know, it's like he, uh, so I just want to thank you 
um, for bringing that light into the world and for nurturing that light with so much intention. He's, Wesley, I love you. <laughs> He's so awesome. You know, the baby, he did, he rolled up and I think for, cause it was really, I don't think you, when he, when he was born and he rolled up on us early, but he rolled up at a time like you were there, Omi was there, Lee, all, and Daniel was there, yeah. like that, you know, to, to greet him. And he is the bravest, most yeah. beautiful part. And I learned from him too, every day. So yeah. I thank you for saying that. Thank you for being a part of a community that has allowed, that supported me and, and loved me and loved him as well. That's why we grew the way we did. Like why he's growing the way he, he is, is because of the love. Mm-hmm. And I did it, but I had a lot of support and you were always a part of that. So I'm grateful. And we just go, cause he will be like, now nah, we're gonna cry. Nice. He's, so <laughs> no. he's awesome. And he's gonna be 20. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay, let's drink a little coffee right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my last question is thinking about artists that are emerging. And I would say, I would ask you to specifically, I'm sorry, the pug is snoring. Can you hear her? Not at all. all right. Get that sleep. Oh, you teach us about some rest. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I'd ask you to think specifically about people who are in women of color, like young, emerging, and that, and I hesitate to say women because I feel even in my own body, there's a spectrum there. So holding that open widely. Um, What is it that you know now? that you would offer as encouragement and light in the journey? Um, I think um, like look up is what comes to me. Um, and, and knowing that they're like not out, but like you gotta look like looking up that there is energy that's coming from above. I think that sometimes, um, and there'll be things, look, check, check your surroundings. There are people, like the people you have who you need. You may not always see them. You may not always want to see them. <laughs> and, 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 and in those moments of not being able to be clear or trust yourself to know the difference, look up so that you can get what you need to trust yourself and move forward. Mm. Um, yeah, look up. The divine wants so much for you, and it's got to come. It's it it comes from here, like outside can like hold you here. They can sustain you, but like to get up, you got to go up, and um, that's that's that that would be what I would would say. Thank you so much. That's a beautiful note to end on. I love you. I love you too. Bye, Sherry. Bye, Bye, y'all.